Lord, we pray that you would use what you say in the Bible to us this morning to give us hope and confidence and peace and help us to give that to others. We pray this in your name. Amen. Greet those of you sitting in the narthex. Great to have you with us. Also, just to let you know, for you folks who are here, we do have a little more room at 9 o'clock. If you don't like being crowded and it's the same, same service, invite you to that or here. We love you wherever you are. A couple of years ago, I was visiting a friend in South Carolina, and after church on Sunday, we went to one of his friend's house for lunch. And I experienced Southern hospitality like I've never experienced it before. I found out what that word means. There was tons of food all over the place, sweet tea, mint juleps. Everybody had their best clothes on. Best china was out on the table. And after lunch, I said to the host, wow, you Southerners sure are nice. And he said to me in this thick Southern accent, he said, nah, not really. The difference between us and y'all is up north, you just look like you're unfriendly. But deep down, we know you really like us. And down here in the South, it's the opposite. (laughs) Like right now, you think I like you, but I don't like you nearly as much as you think I do. (laughs) The funny thing was, he said it in such a nice way, I took it as a compliment. (laughs) And then to make matters worse, later on in the afternoon, somehow in the middle of the conversation, I ended up mentioning the Civil War. No, don't do that. Not a good idea. He said to me, Mr. Dudley, down here we refer to that as the war of northern aggression. (laughs) So I clearly didn't fit in. This fall I'm preaching about the kingdom of God. What happens when up there comes down here? In me, my church, and my world. And in the two stories we just read, Jesus gives a very surprising image of what the kingdom of God is. He says it's like a party. It's like a dinner only not like the one I just told you about, where everyone was wearing their best suits. Jesus' banquet is filled with a whole lot of riffraff kind of people, sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. And that's the image Jesus wants to give us of his kingdom. Not a church service, not a Sunday morning where we're all dressed up and got our Jesus faces on. The picture Jesus wants to give of his kingdom is a dinner party filled with unethical business people, prostitutes, gossips, all kinds of folk. Which is kind of surprising and shocking and cool, but different all at the same time. Because I think if you ask most people, most people have this image that Jesus and church, well, that's for good people. You know, people who have their lives put together, people who don't have any problems, you know, like you guys. But that is the biggest lie ever told about Jesus and his church. We do not come here on a Sunday to engage in some kind of spiritual fashion show. You know, oh wow, look, they're wearing their beautiful victorious lifestyle today, always in season. No. The church is not a fashion show where we show off our spiritual finery. It's more like an auto body shop for broken down people who aren't running at peak performance and need a spiritual tune-up. In the stories we just read, it says that when the religious leaders saw Jesus hanging out with the sinners, as if there's anyone else to hang out with in the world, right? It says they muttered. And I just love that. You get this image of a bunch of muttering pastors. What's he doing? I don't know. But someone needs to stop. I'll stop it. Put an end to it, right? 
And then Jesus says this amazing thing to them. He says, I have not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners. Well, now that's a weird thing for a religious leader to say. I don't want good people. I'm looking for the really bad people with tons of problems. Because that's the best way to start a new organization, right? This summer I read a book. The title just fascinated me. It was called The Gutter. And it's all about how Jesus went to the gutter places of the world. He didn't just go to the nice, clean places, but he tended to go to the places where the crooked politicians or the, or the tax collectors or the, or the sinners hung out. In fact, in the story right before the one we read, Jesus again compares the kingdom of God to a banquet. And in this banquet, the host says to his servants, go out into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. I find that fascinating. The host doesn't say, you know, go out to the the houses and the hotels and the high-end shopping malls. He says, go out into the alleys, the gutters of this world, and invite people to my banquet. Because that's what the kingdom of God is all about. It's about the insiders going outside to invite the outsiders inside. And to me, this is what makes the God that is revealed in Jesus so unique and so different and so radical than any other God. Because all the other gods in all the other religions, they don't do this. They remain up there, safe somewhere, away from all the gutters. But the God revealed in Jesus goes down into the gutters of our lives to find us. When he himself came in the flesh, he didn't come to a palace. He wasn't born in the Four Seasons Hotel. He was born in a barn, died on a hill where the Romans used to dump their garbage, and spent everything in between with thieves and prostitutes and foul-mouthed fishermen. And that's why I'm a Christian. Because that's the kind of God I want. Not some God who can't be bothered with the realities of life. But a God who comes to the gutter. Because A, that's probably got to be the real God, because who would make that up, right? And B, because I am a person who ends up in the gutter from time to time, and I need a God to come and get me out. When up there comes down here, it is like a dinner party where all kinds of riffraff people get invited, including people like you and muttering pastors like me. And our job is to do two things. Jesus asks us to do two things. And the first is this, that we remember that Jesus had to go into the gutters of our lives to invite us to his kingdom banquet. You know, you read these stories and you see the people Jesus was hanging out with, and if you're like me, you might think, well, I'm not like that. I'm not that bad. Or you hear me use a term like the gutters of life and you think of something, some dark urban street in downtown Seattle. But you know what? There are a lot of gutters in life. The corporate boardroom where policies are made that aren't fair to the workers of that company, that's a gutter. The person who's consumed with anger and bitterness at someone they just can't forgive, that's a gutter. The person who buys more toys and more clothes and more gadgets as an anesthetic to dull the boredom and the pain they feel. The husband who would never, che- never even dream of cheating on his wife, but doesn't have a problem holding on to the fantasy in his head. All of those are gutters. And God goes to them and he says, you, hey, you there, I'm talking to you in the gutter. You, I want you. I want to be your friend. I want you to come to my banquet. And for a sinner like me, that is very good news. Because I need it. You know, over the years, following Jesus has made me a better person in a lot of ways. More brave, 
more loving, less angry, more generous with my time and money. But still, I have my sins. I can be a very compassionate person. And yet I'm capable of ignoring the needs of other people, even the people I love the most. I am very honest, very committed to integrity, but from time to time have been known to shade the truth just a little bit to make myself look better. Never in a sermon, though. (laughs) I have incredible self-discipline, and yet I can eat four dozen chocolate chip cookies in one sitting and think I'm showing restraint. (laughs) I am an absolute mess. And yet it is this mess that God says he loves and that he welcomes home, not because of anything I've done because I haven't, but because of what Jesus has done for me. I love the line from one of my favorite hymns, Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue me from danger, bought me with his precious blood. Regardless of what you have done or regardless of what you have not done, Jesus goes into the gutters of our lives and he says, I want you to come to my banquet because the party's not going to be complete unless you're there. And Jesus would ask that we remember that he has done that for us. And then for those of us who have responded to his invitation, to his kingdom banquet, he asked that we would do one more thing. And that is to go out into that messy world out there and invite others to his kingdom banquet with us. Two Christians I know have wanted to do something about the terrible problem of internet pornography. So they started a website called Triple X Church. It's a website that has information about Jesus, churches, the dangers of pornography. It also has free software that you can download which will notify other people if you uh, visit a website you shouldn't. So those other people can help you with that addiction if you've got it. And they called it Triple X Church, not to be scandalous, though it did scandalize some people. But they were hoping that people who were looking for X-rated stuff on the Internet might land on their site by accident and get some help. But they took it one step further. Not only did they do that, here's the really scandalous thing they did. They decided to launch their new website at a pornography convention in Las Vegas. Yes, apparently there are such things. In Las Vegas. So there they were, these two Christians with all these people from the X-rated movie industry talking about their Christian-based software to help people get out of that addiction. Now, they they weren't there and they weren't looking at anything that they shouldn't have been looking at. In fact, they find the whole thing kind of repulsive, which is part of why they could go. They weren't tempted. They also took their wives with them just to make sure that they'd be very good. Always a good policy. No matter where you go. And out of this, they struck up a a friendship with a man named Jimmy D, who has been making X-rated films his whole life. And so he started asking them questions about Jesus and the Bible and why they didn't like his industry. And he ended up sort of liking these guys. In fact, he ended up liking them so much that he offered to produce, direct, and pay for a 30-second commercial to advertise their software. Okay, now you've got to picture this scene, right? Here's this guy who has spent his life making X-rated movies, offering to pay for a Christian commercial to help people avoid watching the movies he's making. That's the kingdom of God. And he's not a Christian yet, but he's on his way. Because two guys were willing to go where he was at and show him a better way of living. As we go to Jesus' banquet, he asks us to go out into that big, messy world out there and invite others to his banquet as well. And it doesn't have to be as dramatic as the story I just told you. Don't worry, I'm not going to send you to Las Vegas. 
It could be as simple as listening to a coworker whose marriage is on the rocks or reaching out to that lonely person or befriending that person at the Rotary Club or the soccer league and being open to hearing the pain and the problems in their life. I have a friend who likes to keep her house just a little bit messy when people are coming over to let them know that you don't have to be perfect to be a Christian. At least that's her excuse. She says she finds people are more willing to open up and talk about the pain in their life if they don't think she's perfect, so she leaves her house a mess. Now, that is the best news you're going to hear all morning. You can go home and leave the dishes in the sink for Jesus. I'm out building the kingdom, man. Let him pile up high. A woman from our church right here invited some women that she played tennis with to meet her once a week at the Bellevue Athletic Club to, to talk about God and the Bible and faith. Now, admittedly, when you hear the Bellevue Athletic Club, the word gutter doesn't spring to mind. But there's pain there, too. A lot of it, actually. These women that she invited were going through a divorce, and they needed someone to talk to. And one day when they were there at the, at the Bellevue Athletic Club having lunch, someone overheard their conversation. Another woman walked up and said, mind if I join your group, because she was also going through divorce. And they all just met together every week to find God and some healing for their pain. That's what kingdom people do. We don't avoid the painful places in the world. We don't turn away from the painful places in the world. But like our Lord, we steer into them. Now, I want to be clear. By going out into the world, this doesn't mean that we go and engage in behavior that the world is doing that's destructive. Absolutely not. It also doesn't mean that we approve of every behavior that's out there that isn't behavior that God asks us to do. You know, God gives us the rules he gives us because he made us. He knows what makes us work best. He says, do these things and don't do these other things, not to make our lives miserable, but because he knows that's how we're going to have abundant life. And if we really, really, really love people, we're not going to approve of behavior that's ultimately destructive to them. But we're not going to judge them either because Jesus didn't do that. Instead, we're going to get to know them and eventually point them toward Jesus, who gives us the power to live new lives. I heard a story a while back about some Christians at Reed College in Oregon that found a kind of a cool way to do everything I'm talking about. Every year at Reed, there's a festival called Ren Fair, where the whole school shuts down, and the students spend the whole weekend partying and drinking and just going crazy. Okay, it's Reed. What can I say? Maybe that's why it's still a college, not a university. I don't know. Any Reed alums here? I didn't think so. I thought I was safe with that. A lot of Christians on that campus, they just leave for that weekend. But there was this one group of Christians, they wanted to stay and be a witness. And they came up with a creative way to do it. They built a wooden booth right in the center of campus and they called it the confession booth. And then they dressed up like monks. Okay, again, it's Reed. It's a little strange, but it's, you know, normal there, I guess. They dressed up like monks and just walked around while this sort of drunken fest was going on and invited people to the confession booth. Well, finally, one student went to see what it was all about, and when he got there, he said, Oh, I get it. I'm supposed to confess my sins. But then the Christian inside the booth said, No, I'm going to confess my sins to you. You see, I'm a Christian. And I want to apologize for all the ways that I have misrepresented who Jesus is to you. Jesus said to feed the poor and heal the sick, and I haven't done that. 
I lash out at others instead of loving them. I let my ego get in the way. I do all kinds of things that haven't shown you who Jesus really is. And for that, I ask your forgiveness. And the other student said, that's okay. And his eyes started to water. And he said, you really believe in Jesus, don't you? And the Christian student said, yes, I do. And the other student said, well, I don't want to become a Christian or anything, but could you tell me what's the deal with the cross? And so the Christian guy in the booth said, well, basically we've all rebelled against God. And so God handed the world over to us and we've made a mess of it and, the, and ourselves. But if anyone wants to get rescued from all of that, Jesus is there to do it. And he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so we could be reunited with God and to show us how much God loves us. And then the Christian in the booth said, I just want you to know, if you want to know God, you can. The other student said, thanks. I'll think about it. By the end of the weekend, they had a long, long line of students waiting to get into the confession booth to hear what the Christians on campus had to say. But the best part of it all was what it did for those Christians involved. One of them later wrote, I went into that booth having tons of doubts, but I came out believing so strongly that Jesus is real that I was ready to die to go be with him. I've been saying all along that the kingdom of God has three R's. I find all three in that story. Reconciliation between God and people. Restoration of the image of who Jesus is on that campus. And a lot of rejoicing from people who saw God at work that day. When God's people go out into the gutters of this world... And invite others into God's kingdom banquet. As hard as that sounds, there's joy. I mean, after all, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a party, not a field trip to the library. So I want to ask you, where are you at today? What, what gutter have you found yourself in? And how can you let Jesus enter into that place and get you out of it? Or maybe you feel that you're not quite good enough to go to God's kingdom banquet. Maybe because of something you've done or maybe because of something you haven't done. Or maybe because somewhere along the way someone made you believe that you weren't good enough or smart enough or successful enough or thin enough or whatever enough. Don't you believe that lie? God knows everything about you and he invites you to his banquet anyway. And the only thing you've got to do is if you've never done it, all you have to do is say to Jesus, Lord Jesus, I want you to be the leader of my life and the forgiver of my sins. And if you do that, would you just tell someone, me or someone else, before you leave so we can welcome you in? And for all of us, as we go to God's banquet, who can we invite? Who can we just listen to and befriend and wait for the moment when it might be right to point them to Jesus? This week, one of the men who works on our facilities crew told us that he'd been talking with his neighbor lately, who's not a Christian. The neighbor has come to our church, likes our church, and in the course of conversation, the neighbor just asked, Hey, by the way, how much does it cost to join your church? And our facilities guy said the most perfect thing. He says it doesn't cost anything. Someone else has already paid for it. That about sums it up, doesn't it? Somebody else has already paid for it. God came all the way from heaven to earth in the person of Jesus to descend into the darkest gutter of all, all the way down to death, and to show us how much he loved us and to bridge the gap between us and him. On the cross, Jesus stretched his arms out wide, and with one hand, he was reaching up to heaven to grab onto God and pull him down to us so that we could understand what God is like. And then with the other hand, Jesus reached down to grab us and pull us out of the gutter and join our hands to God's. 
Jesus went as low as he could go to invite us all to his kingdom party. So how can you respond to his invitation today? And who can you invite with you as you go? Would you pray with me? If you have never had the chance to invite Jesus into your life in a formal way, I'm going to give it to you right now. All I'm going to ask you to do is pray silently with me the prayer I'm about to pray. Lord Jesus, I confess that I have not lived life the way that you designed me to live it. And I've made a lot of mistakes. Lord, I want to be cleansed from all of that, so I want to invite you to be the leader of my life and the forgiver of my sins. If you prayed that prayer, now you're a Christian. Welcome to the banquet. And if you did that, would you please just tell someone on your way out so we can help get you started on your new life. And Lord, for the rest of us, we thank you so much that you reached into the gutters of our lives to rescue us from the places that we had found ourselves. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to reach out to others and invite them along so they can know you as well. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.